chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. If you want to follow along in the Pew Bibles, it's page 1833. Hear the word of God. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in the spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and you have been given full, the fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, you may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. It's an honor to be here again to speak to you today. I um, want to start off by asking, have you ever heard of the Black Wall Tunnel? I think it's called Black Wall Tunnel in London. It goes underneath the river. Well, how about, everybody ever heard of bird flu? Back in 2002, 2003, sometime in there, we thought, you know, bird flu was going to kill everybody. ABC had this movie, and at the end, everybody was dead. And, you know, and then everybody thought, hey, that's what's going to happen with the coronavirus, but it didn't happen. We pray that it doesn't happen. But anyway, around the time of the bird flu, um, there were crows that were dying at the beginning of the Blackwall Tunnel, where you go under the river, in England. And... One day, somebody found like a hundred crows just laying on the road. And they thought, it's the bird flu. It's the avian flu. What are we going to do? It's hit England. It's going to be hitting us soon. So they called in some, I'm not sure if I can get this word right, orthonologist, a, a bird scientist. I don't know if I said that right or not. But um, they called in these specialists to, to look at these crows to find out why they're dying. And they sat there and they watched the behavior of crows for several weeks, okay, to find out what was happening. Finally, they go back to the government and they said, it's not the bird flu. What's happening is these crows, when they see roadkill, they're flying in 
because right there by the tunnel, I guess a lot of animals are crossing and they're getting hit. So the crows are coming in to eat and they said, we also figured out that the crows were mostly getting hit by trucks. Of the 100 that we studied, 98 got hit by a truck, a semi-truck, and only two got hit by a car. The government says, well, why is that? He said, well, there's always a lookout crow saying, ka, ka, but they can't say truck, truck. <laughs> okay, you guys thought I was serious, didn't you? <laughs> but I titled this message, The Tunnel Mentality. Okay, quick, first, a little background. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, uh, wrote several letters to several different churches. He wrote this letter to the church in Colossae when he was in prison. He also wrote a letter to the Ephesians and Philippians, and maybe one other when he was in prison as well. Um, but anyway, he had never been to this church. He'd never been to this city. It was about 100 miles east of where he was. He'd never been there. But there was a man that he worked with, and I, Arapis, Arapis, or something like that. Um, he, this person was telling Paul, he was in prison with Paul, and he's telling him, they're just so narrow-minded. They want to believe in Jesus Christ, but they, we got these Jews coming in and, and trying to get them to follow all these these uh, special days that are not even biblical. The Jews had made up new special days that weren't biblical. I mean, it's one thing to, to understand and observe the, the days that are in Leviticus 23, but they were adding all these rules to them. And If you've heard my explanation of this before, I'll give it briefly in case anyone hasn't heard it. God's law was like this, just a, t a small set of commandments, 632 commandments. The Jews said, we cannot break those commandments. So what we're going to do is we're going to make rules around the outside of those commandments. Okay? Think of it like a fence. You put a fence around something and you can't get in. Okay? We're going to make another fence around that fence. And, and just to make sure we don't, if we don't pass that first fence, we're never going to pass that second fence. We're never going to break those commandments. They said, that's not enough. We're going to make a bigger fence. And if we don't go past this one, we certainly won't go past the second one. We won't go past the third one, and we won't break the commandments. And they became tradition. They became a way of life. And Jesus came and said, come on, people. First of all, you don't have any freedom that way. Secondly, that's not what God said. You know, when Jesus was walking with his disciples and they were picking grain and eating on the Sabbath, there was nothing unbiblical about that. But the... The Pharisees said, hey, you're breaking the law. And Jesus like, no, we're breaking your laws, not God's laws. Well, anyway, the Jews went into this city, and they're telling these people who are new to the Christianity, new to the movement, you got to do, okay, you, you can believe in this guy, Jesus, but you got to follow these things too. They were building a bigger fence for them. So this guy who was from that city, Arapis, goes... And he meets up with Paul in prison in Rome. He says, here's what's going on. Paul says, okay, I've gotten good at writing letters. He sits down, he starts writing, saying, all things were created by him and for him. That's in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. All things were created by him and for him. He's trying to show that Jesus is the supreme 
God. He is God in the flesh. He's not just a guy who rose to power and became very popular because he was healing people. He is God in the flesh. So he's trying to correct these people that have this, what I call, tunnel mentality. You've heard of tunnel vision, right? Where you're so focused on one thing, you don't see anything else. Well, the reason I call this tunnel mentality is I want you to think about the world we live in. We live, many of you live in Belair or nearby Belair, and, um, or maybe you live in West Virginia even. We live pretty close to this church, or we probably wouldn't come to this church, okay? There's other churches that we could go to, but we come to this one, okay? At any day, any Sunday, you can go to another church. You're free. In fact, there's roads that lead to this church. You could drive straight across through the park if you wanted to. Okay, you might get a ticket. You might, the police might be very upset. You might hurt somebody, but you could do it. I don't recommend it, but you could do it. What I'm saying is our world is so big and wide open. That's the way God made it. We can do anything we want. We can go to another city for vacation. We can stay at home for a vacation. We can not take a vacation. We used to have different hospitals we could choose to go to in this area. I heard one's opening back up, thank goodness. But anyway, there's so much freedom. But when we go into a tunnel, if you've ever driven, anybody not driven through a tunnel before or even rode in a car? We've all been through a tunnel, right? There's not so much freedom, is there? If you go to the right or to the left, you're going to hit the wall. Okay? And I know all this talk about tunnels can be very boring. Okay, that was a bad joke. <laughs> Some of you got it. But anyway, when you go to a tunnel, you're kind of stuck on the path. You can't go one way or the other. You're going to hit a car or you're going to hit a wall. You've got to keep going until you see the light at the end of the tunnel. There's two guys standing at the end of a tunnel. One's an optimist. He says, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. The other one's a realist. He says, I see the train at the end of the tunnel. Then there's the guy in the train saying, who are those two idiots standing at the end of the tunnel? Okay, no, that's enough tunnel jokes. Okay, we'll get serious now. So the Colossians were being forced into this tunnel mentality by the Jews. You have to follow these laws. You have to follow these ways. You cannot stray from it, or you're not going to heaven. That's what they were being told. And they're all panicking. What do you mean? Like, Jesus, we heard that Jesus is the way to, to get to heaven. You believe in him and your sins are forgiven. Why do we have to do all this other stuff? Okay, we'll do it. We, got it. we want to believe. We want to go to heaven. We're going to do it. Paul comes in and says, don't do it. You have freedom in Jesus Christ. He is the authority over all powers and authorities in this world. He is above everyone. He's above everyone. Every spiritual authority. So, 2005, 2006, somewhere in there, Mark Zuckerberg, supposedly, I don't know if it's true or not, steals the idea of Facebook and makes a million, billions of dollars off of it. Now, Facebook has become a tunnel mentality for many people. Check Facebook, what's going on? Oh, somebody had this for dinner. Oh, oh, it looks like these people broke up. Oh, look at this. You don't have to wear a mask. Oh, look at this, you do have to wear a mask. You know, there's all kinds of stuff on Facebook, right? But some people just get in that tunnel mentality. It's on Facebook, it must be real. No, 
and I'm going to include myself in this because I put a lot of stuff on Facebook, a lot of spiritual advice and, and the, the um, online show that I do. And I put all this stuff on there for people to help them grow. I'm not a spiritual authority. Jesus Christ is the only authority. He's over me. He speaks to me, tells me what to put on there, but it's him. If you've got something wrong with what I say, good. Go to him. Find out if it's true or not. Because, and then let me know if I'm wrong. Because I might be. Okay? Just because somebody puts something on Facebook, just because someone puts on a microphone and stands up here and preaches to you, doesn't mean they're right. Most likely, if they're following God, they're close to God, they're probably speaking what God is saying to them. And I hope that that's what I'm doing right now. But... I am not the final authority. Ian Thornton is not the final authority. Jesus Christ is the final authority. And when we look to him, he pulls us out of that tunnel. He pulls us out and he says, look, you got this whole world here. It's yours. It's your freedom. Okay? Don't let someone squeeze you back in and put you in this tunnel. Don't do it. So what am I talking about? What kind of rules am I talking about? Well, it goes both ways. Sometimes we have people in church who are just so specific. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. I know I've told this story before. I'll tell it again. I was with the Boy Scouts one night. My son was in Boy Scouts. I was uh, the, like a co-leader in the Boy Scouts with a guy named Chris Burhalter. He's a judge in Belmont County. His son was the same age as my son. We did Boy Scouts together. Maundy Thursday one night... We're sitting in a church, I'm not going to say which one, and a bunch of dads sitting around talking, their sons are they're off doing something, and I'm talking to them, and some lady comes down, she goes, all of you, you need to be up there. You better pray right now that you will walk up those steps. It's Maundy Thursday. And I look around, and everybody goes, yes, ma'am. Yeah, they're looking down, yes. They didn't know what to say. Some of them probably had never been to church in their lives. Some of them probably had been and probably thinking, lady, just go away. You know, I don't know. I'm thinking, no, don't do this. Don't force them into this. You're going to drive people away when you tell them they have to do something. Is it good to be in church on Monday, Thursday? Sure. It's good to be in church any day, no matter what day of the week it is or what special day it is. It's always a good place to be. But when you tell someone they have to be, you're going to drive them away. I had a lady tell me one time, I'm signing you up for the prayer group. I'm like, what's the prayer group? She goes, everybody signs up and you have to pray for our church for one hour a day. And I was still fairly young Christian at the time, and I'm like, I can't do that. But I said, okay, sign me up. You know how many times I prayed for the church for one hour? None. Because I, once I was away from her, no one was saying, hey, have you done it? That fell through after a couple of weeks. Okay? Is it not good to pray for the church for an hour, even a minute? Yeah, it's great. But when you force someone to do it, you force them in that tunnel, sometimes they'll do it for a while, but it won't continue. But when you let them out of that tunnel, out in the open, wide world, and I can go this way, I can go that way, I don't have to worry about hitting a car or hitting a wall, and I hear God say, hey, Phil, why don't you pray for the church? Okay. God, I pray for our church. I pray that we will continue to grow strong. You know, I'm listening to God now, okay? He comes to me when it's the right time, 
the right, knows the right things to say. He knows how I'm going to react. I can't come to any of you and say, hey, do this, do that, because I might know something about you because I've been with you for so many years, but I don't know everything. I'm not God. I'm not the final authority. I'm not going to force you into a tunnel. I may make suggestions, and I might give you advice if you ask me. If I see you doing something wrong, I might try to correct it, but I'm not the authority. Jesus Christ is the authority. He is over all powers and authorities, according to what Paul wrote to the Colossians. I'm not going to force you into a tunnel. I'm going to ask God to take you out of the tunnel. The other way this can go, we've seen it in our society a lot lately, is we get in this mindset that, well, it must be okay. It wasn't okay back in the 50s, but it's 2020. That's 70 years later. Might not have been okay in the 60s, but hey, this is 60 years later. It must be okay now. I'm not going to name things. You know what I'm talking about. They're highly political. They're, they cause division. They, we know what they are, okay? But we get in this mindset, and unfortunately, we're teaching our kids that it's okay to believe in these things. It's okay to do these things. No one, if I were to take that Bible and read to chapter 4, Paul, he enforces, he says, seek holiness. He doesn't say it just like that, but what, the words he's speaking, he's telling us to seek holiness. Be like God. Who can be like God? None of us. But who should seek to be like God? Every single one of us. Every single one of us should strive to be like God. We're going to fail. God knows that. But doesn't mean we shouldn't strive to be. Doesn't mean that it's okay to accept what society is accepting these days. When we accept it, we're pulling away from God and we're putting ourselves in a tunnel because by golly, if you turn to left or right, somebody's coming after you if you don't believe what they believe. They're coming after you. They're going to call you names. They're going to shun you. We don't have to accept it. We can say this is not right. Sure, not a lot of people are going to listen. But if we stay silent, then the word doesn't get out. But if we speak against it, at least someone's saying it. And someone who's teetering on the edge, should I go this way? Should I go this way? And we speak against what's going on in our society, we might draw them over. And who knows? They might become the next Billy Graham. You just don't know. What I'm trying to say to you, to sum this all up, I didn't do a sermon in a sentence. <laughs> I'll make it quick. We must listen to the only authority that matters. That's Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that our government is not an authority. I did not say that. Jesus made it very, very clear Give to God what is God's. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. I can't remember the scripture reference. It's in Matthew, I believe. Maybe in Luke as well. But give to God what is God's. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. What he was saying when he said that is, the things of God that belong to God, follow them. Trust in them. When the government tells us to do something, do it. They are an authority. Established by God. Whether we want to believe it or not, governments are established by God. Well, if I had more time, I'd go into the book of Daniel, chapter 2, and explain it all, how God raised and brought down kingdoms, but maybe another time. 
But God establishes authority because he is above all authority. So when we have a government and they tell us to do things, we should do it. We have freedom. We don't have to follow the rules. We can drive through the park. I can just imagine Bill Marinelli's face if he sees a car coming through the park. What are they doing? <laughs> but we, we might get in trouble for that. Okay, so we don't have to follow the rules, but we should. But what I'm saying is when we want to know what we should do, what we should believe, what we should watch on television, what we should say, how we should live, don't always look to the pastor. You can't. Don't always look to your friend. You can. That's good. You should look to other people. But the final authority is the Lord God, Jesus Christ, who all things were created by him and for him, and he is the head of all authority. Don't cut the head off. Don't cut the head off. Don't detach yourself from the head, Jesus Christ. You detach yourself. Sometimes when a like if you cut the head off a snake, sometimes it'll still squirm a little bit. Okay? You can still move if you detach yourself from Jesus Christ. You'll still have freedom. You'll still be able to move. But eventually that squirming stops. And there's death. Don't detach yourself from the head from Jesus Christ. Stay in him. Focused on him. Remain in him. Always looking to him for all authority, and he will pull you out of that tunnel mentality, and he will set you out into an open field where you will have extreme freedom. Trust me. I let him pull me out. Freedom is contagious, it's exciting, and it's something you want. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for being the authority. Thank you for being in your Son, Jesus Christ, and being the final authority over all of us. Lord God, we look to you for which way we should go, for who we should deal with, who we should walk away from, for how we should react, what we should follow, what we should not follow. We look to you, Father, for everything in our lives. And when we don't, Father, forgive us and help us to look back to you. Father, we want you to be our authority forever and ever until the return of your Son when he will establish authority forever. In Jesus' name we pray.